Here's what's coming up on today's show. You know, what level of income do you need now and in the future? What resources do you have now and expected in the future to be able to generate income since you're consciously accepting less of a lifetime social security benefit? There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the podcast. It's Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart from Crystal Lake Tax and Financial here to talk uh, top Social Security myths. We're actually going to break this into two podcasts. Uh, over the next two sessions, we're going to go the first five this go around, and then we're going to tackle the second five. So uh, if you haven't done so yet, consider subscribing to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, so you can catch past episodes as well as all future episodes. And like I said, we're going to break this uh, top Social Security myths into two. We've got 10 of them. So we're going to start with the first five this week, as well as take an email question from around the area, as we usually do. But before we get started, Mike, welcome in, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. It is April. Spring's kind of here, I guess. So, uh, you know, <laughs> summer's ahead. Yeah. It's it's kind of, sort of, maybe, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, like 80, 80, 80, 40, 80, 80. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, are, what are you doing? So, it's been that way all the Although I've been hearing from people all over the country, it's like, I feel like this is the longest winter in a really long time. Um, it just seems like it hasn't wanted to give up, you know, give up the ghost, so to speak. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's just a, a matter of just... You haven't had you know horrendously bad weather, but you haven't had a too good of a stretch of good weather. Right. So it's just kind of you're, you're in purgatory. At the yeah, moment. there you go. It's kind of been this lingering thing. It's not been like a harsh winter. It's just kind of been drawn out. So, and, and speaking of drawn out, that's some of the uh, things that happen with Social Security myths. They kind of get it's like a like a nugget is probably accurate, and then it kind of gets drawn and twisted. I guess that's the case with any myth, right? They get drawn and twisted into maybe something that's not exactly correct. Uh, but there could be like a nugget that kind of spawned that. So let's jump in and talk about some of these, Mike, and, and let you break some of these down for us. Myth number one is that the Social Security Administration, uh, the folks there will help you make the best decision about when you should start your benefits. That's not accurate. They they have a lot of information, but they're not going to know your financial situation. Uh, exactly. So the Social Security Administration, you know, they can provide you your benefits. So whether it's on a phone call, online, or you go into the office, you know, you can go in there and they'll say, okay, here's Social Security number, here's your proof of who you are. They'll print out the things. You know, say, okay, well, this is great, but that's a lot of information. So what do I do with this information? Should I take it at 62? Should I wait until 70? What about 67? And they'll just kind of look at your blank face and say, I can't give you advice. And part of it's because, one, they don't want to be held responsible for your claiming decisions, you know, so they're not allowed to actually give you advice. And the second thing is because they're not financial planners, they don't know what's going on with your (laughs) overall financial world as to how you coordinate Social Security with that. So a lot of times, you know, when we're working with the clients, we'll do if they're single, it's a break-even analysis. If they're married, it's a spousal analysis where we have software that basically takes that data, takes that Social Security benefit information and says, okay, Based on everything else going on in your world, what you saved, you know, what your cash flow needs are, mm-hmm. all those things, what's the most optimal time for timing the Social Security based on what you need to do, not just some arbitrary number. But yeah, one thing, key thing there is Social Security Administration, by their own accord, can't give you advice on when to claim. They can just provide you what the numbers are. And there was an interesting thing that came out uh, a couple of days ago in CNBC. 
they had an article in, and it was from the director saying social security is in the worst public service crisis in memory. And that was the head of the labor union. And basically it was just saying that they're so understaffed uh, in social security that it's hard enough to even get an appointment in. And even the new people that are coming in, they can't properly train fast enough. You know, so people get very inadequate information from social security. They're trying to do their best, but you know, it's more cumbersome of a process. Mm, okay. Good information to know for sure. Yeah. And, and again, and there's also, I mean, they're busy, right? They're just doing so much stuff and it's just not, it's one of those pieces where I think it gets distorted from the fact that they can provide you with a lot of info, but that's not the one they should be doing. So, all right, myth number two, you don't get any social security income if you were a stay at home mom. And I think the one from this, Mike, probably gets distorted from the fact that there are minimum requirements for your own you know, benefits or eligibility for benefits. But if you were married for a certain period of time or whatever, then you actually do get your spouses. So I think that's probably where this happens. Yeah. No, exactly. So it's, you know, kind of a half truth on there. So the much like you alluded to, you know, to qualify for Social Security, you have to have at least 40 quarters or 10 years of working history. Right, right. Now, from that, the way they claim they determine what your Social Security is, they take your 35 best years. And now let's say you'd only worked 10 or 15 years, uh, you know, so you so you did have enough to qualify, but you only had worked for 15 years, then you were taking care of your parents or the kids or something like that. Well, they're going to add zeros for those other 20 years that you didn't have wages, which is going to pull your benefit number down dramatically. You know, And if you, let's say you always stayed home, you never even got the 10 years or 40 quarters of Social Security wage earnings. Then what happens is you know, a lot of times people will come to me, especially a married couple or divorced or widowed, will come to me and say, oh, I don't qualify. I didn't work enough. You know, I didn't get those 40 quarters. And then we'll show them, okay, but if you're still currently married, and you've been married at least nine months, you qualify for what they call spousal retirement benefits from Social Security. And if you were married for 10 years and now you're divorced, you also qualify for divorced Social Security benefits. And what those are is either 100% of your own benefit or 50% of your ex-spouse's benefit, depending on the age you claim them. You know, so if you claim them at 66, 67, which is your full retirement age, you'll get either all of yours or 50% of theirs, and it doesn't impact their benefit. Or if you claim it before 66 or 67, let's say you claim it as early as 62, well, now you're only going to get 25 or 30% less of those benefits than what you were originally entitled to. You know, but just because you don't have enough quarters for your own benefit, or if your benefit's lower, if you were married and still are at least nine months, or you were married prior for at least 10 years and then divorced, you actually still qualify for what they call uh, married or divorced spousal benefits. And, and that can be very impactful to a household for income purposes. Yeah, for sure. And so some good little caveats and some little interesting stuff there. And there's also you know interesting little things when it comes to Social Security, so many moving parts. Like I know my mom, for example, Mike, she was able to go back and get Social Security for her first marriage, uh, even though she had been married, you know, more than once, uh, she wasn't currently married. But they, you know, to that question we were talking about with them helping, they were like, "Hey, did you know you're eligible to do this?" So as long as you're married at least ten years, so there's all these kind of like little moving parts that can certainly. Um, add up to different types of benefits, and that's why it's important to really work with a professional to help you kind of work through that those nuances. No, agreed completely. Yeah, so lots of little things in there. So for even for the stay-at-home moms. All right, myth number three: you won't pay taxes on Social Security since you already paid taxes on that money when you put it in a system. Yeah, this this surprises a lot of people because what happens is 
you know, it used to be when Social Security was first rolled out, it was not taxable, didn't matter any other parameters. And then in the early 80s, they passed a, a bill that said, well, you know, if your income level is above a certain amount, and what they call it provisional income level, if your provisional income is above a certain level, then somewhere between zero to 85% of your Social Security is subject to income taxes. And where a lot of people think this is unfair is, wait a second, I paid tax into Social Security, so you were going to give me it back later you know, in the form of an income stream for life at retirement, but now you're going to tax me on the very tax money you're giving me back now, right? So it's, and how that works is they use something called provisional income. So let's say you make $40,000 a year in social security, then, and that's all your real main income. You're not taking money out of your retirement savings. You don't have a pension or anything. Then zero of that is going to be taxable to you. And the reason why is it's something called provisional income. And it's just a worksheet they use when they fill out your taxes to figure out how much of your social security benefit is actually going into the taxable column. And the way they do that without spending too much math, you know, on the podcast here is take half of your social security benefit plus all of your other taxable income. And that's going to be your IRA distributions, 401k distributions, pensions, interest, dividends, capital gains, those kind of things that normally hit your tax return. So half of your social security and 100% of all that taxable income. Now, I'm just going to focus on a married person here just to kind of, you know, without throwing too much numbers in. So if your provisional income as a married couple is under 32,000, remember half social security plus everything else, then none of your social security is subject to taxes. If it's between 32 and 44, somewhere between zero and half of it's going to be subject to uh, to taxation. And if it's over 44,000, somewhere between 50 to 85% of your social security is going to be taxable. And this is why when we do a lot of the proactive tax planning, Roth conversion strategies, these kind of things, it's taking into effect of if we do this in advance of social security, by the time we get to claim social security, even though we get all the income off the tax-free accounts like the Roth IRAs and that, it now no longer impacts our social security taxation. You know, so there's all these little tax nuances you need to be aware of. It's not just as easy as, you know, hey, I didn't pay tax on this money. Do I pay tax on it? And, you know, do I pay tax now because I've, I paid into social security? For about 70% of the country, they're paying tax on some of their social security. Hmm. Wow, that is interesting for sure. Yeah, and I, and I think, unfortunately, I, a lot of us feel like, you know, hey, this is they're double dipping on us and so on and so forth. And because it, it wasn't always that way, correct, Mike? I mean, originally, the when they first put the, the, the Social Security in, it wasn't taxed. It didn't come on until years later. Correct. Yeah. In the early 80s, there was a tax bill that was passed. And that when that's basically what they did was they put those same. And, you know, when I said 32,000, 44,000 is kind of yeah. those, you know, milestones along the way. Those were the same numbers in the early 80s that they used. They've oh. never adjusted them for inflation. Oh, which really? Which is why gradually over the last 30, 40 years, more and more people keep getting subject to, you know, because having a forty or $50,000 income in retirement right now is completely different than somebody in 1982 who had a forty <laughs> or $50,000 income. But since they were never adjusted for inflation, that just every year pushes more and more people into paying taxes on their Social Security. Yeah, great to know. That's good information for sure. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a, that's kind of sneaky a little bit, isn't it? It's like, hey, well, we it's haven't government. Bought, yeah, yeah, haven't adjusted that. All right, uh, myth number four: there will not be any social security left by the time you retire. This is really like one of the big ones, right, Mike? This is one of the biggest ones that runs around out there in all forms or fashion that gets people all worked up. 
Uh, it is, but you know, some of it is when we're doing retirement income planning for some, sometimes it's mentioned in the sense that, hey, I want to build a plan that even though I'm getting social security, it's my plan still going to work even when it runs out of money, you know, so then they're not beholden to social security. On the other side, it's individuals come in saying, hey, I don't care if I'm going to give up 30% by taking it at 62. I you know I want to get it before it goes broke or before I die early. You know, so when you say, you know, there won't be any social security left, but you're basically saying it's going to be bankrupt. Now, the reality is if we kind of step away a little bit and say, okay, let's look at it in the context of the real world. So one, what we tell clients is if you're within about 20 years of retirement, you really don't have to worry about your social security benefit not being there, you know, or if you're already claiming. And the reason why is there's very small tweaks that they could make, you know, which is, you know, right now you pay 6.2% of your paycheck, goes to Social Security, your employer matches another 6.2. So 12.4 is now going to, on your behalf, your half employer, half you, to Social Security. Well, there, there's talk over there. Well, what if we push it up to 6.5 or 7%, mm-hmm. you know, instead of 6.2? Well, from each side, then that would add another 20, 30 years to Social Security, that alone. Yeah, or um, even pushing, moving the, the early retirement age, right? I've heard that one, too. Move it back two years, and it adds like 50 years to it or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's small little things that can be done. Just nobody over the last, you know, 40 years has had <laughs> nobody the wants to touch to it. Do it. <laughs> yeah, so because it's kind of a time bomb. You know, you're going to come up as somebody who's tinkering with something that people, retirees, think work. And another reason it's not going to really go anywhere, somebody within 20 years of retirement, is think about who votes, right? Primarily, it's going to be baby boomers, Gen X, you know, individuals basically from 40 to 80, you know, are going to be hitting the polls. So anybody that starts messing with Social Security for the negative or start talking about cutting benefits or means testing, they're going to get voted out of office. You know, yeah. so for just just for job security alone, there's a lot of politicians that, you know, won't make any significant things to it. Now, that being said, if I was born today or if I was somebody who's 20, it's probably going to look different, you know, later, you know, right, 30, 40 plus right. years down the yeah. road than it changes does now, have but, to, Yeah, changes have to be coming, right? It's just a matter of who will they affect. Correct. Exactly. So with the exception of maybe a slight increase in taxes, things like that, or, you know, instead of 85% of it potentially being taxed, maybe all of it could be taxed, except for those kind of little nuances. Mm-hmm. For the most part, anybody, you know, who's in our planning demographic in their 50s and 60s plus um, really shouldn't be concerned about the health of Social Security as far as how it's going to impact their benefits. Right. Uh, but as somebody younger, yeah, you want to keep your eye on the ball a little bit and you know just make sure you're saving enough as these plans change over time. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think most people over the age of 50, there's probably not going to be any real, any massive changes for us. Now, you never know, right? No, no one's got that you know elusive crystal ball, but more than likely not. And heck, just look at the problems that France is going through, right? There are the young people you know, rioting over a two-year pushback on their pensionaire program. Uh, you know, so, you know, you can kind of see the idea of why, it, why no one wants to touch it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, understood. That's why nobody has. That's right. Exactly. All right. And that one kind of leads into myth number five. And this is where we'll wrap it up for this uh, podcast. And we'll come back uh, in a couple of weeks uh, later on in the month and we'll do the other five. But it's the uh, you should claim Social Security as soon as you're eligible. And a lot of times this ties to the prior one, Mike, because it's like, well, it's going broke. So let me get what I can get while I can get it. No, exactly. So, you know, the the idea of, you know, get yours while you can get it, you know, the yep. thing is take it as early as 62. Well, for some clients, that's actually correct. If Social Security is going to be a small portion of your overall income because you've been a good saver, you got a lot of resources, you got a huge pension, whatever it happens to be, then it may be okay to take it early because if the fact that you're taking a 25 or 30% haircut on the benefit may not impact you materially because you can get all the other income from the other sources. Or let's say if you're single or divorced or widowed, 
and you're saying, okay, well, I'm not worried about a survivor benefit on the back end. If, if I die, you know, I'm not worried about, you know, somebody getting a lower benefit for me as a survivor benefit. Well, then it might make sense uh, to do it. You know, what doesn't make sense to do it is I'm going to claim it because it's going bankrupt, you know, mm-hmm. on there. Because yeah. what ha- comes along with that is, one, what are the, and this is really where you're putting it in the overall planning, is, you know, what level of income do you need now and in the future? What resources do you have now and expected in the future to be able to generate income since you're consciously accepting less of a lifetime social security benefit? And if you're going to continue to work, you also have to worry about something called the earnings test. So if you're under your full retirement age, so under 67 for most, then if in 2023, you can't make more than $21,000 in wages or profits from a business without giving back some of that reduced amount of social security. You know, so even if you want to take it early, just make sure it makes sense because your plan says you can take it early and it's not going to cause your financial harm later in life. Yeah, definitely. And and I think, again, we've talked about this many times, Mike, that if you need the money, that's one thing, right? Turning it on because you actually need, you know, you, you need to get that benefit rolling is one thing, but turning it on just because you're fearful that it's going to run out or the government owes me, it's mine, whatever that kind of philosophy is, may not be the best option for you. You may be, you know, shorting yourself, you know, a lot. So it's certainly Agreed worth, completely. yeah, it's certainly worth having a conversation with a financial professional, uh, you know, and of course that's why we do the podcast. That's why Mike's here to help. So if you need some help, reach out to him at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you like using. Find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, all those big things. Again, Crystal Lake tax.com and of course you can schedule some time there and drop an email to the show or to Mike and his team as well and that's what we're going to do as we wrap up the podcast this week with Toby in the Des Plaines area he says Mike I'm retiring in about five years and I'm currently maxing out the 401k but not adding any other savings should I be saving someplace else uh, even if that means putting a little bit less in the 401k yeah, Toby, you know, first and foremost, when you put your plan together, it says, you know, just make sure you have saved enough in your 401k and your other resources to be able to say, if I'm retiring in five years, I know where my income's coming from, I'm going to be fine. Uh, but to go to back to kind of the context of, of what your question is, is, you know, is the 401k, since you're maxing that out, is there anything else you should be doing? Should that money be flowing somewhere else as your eye in retirement coming up? And really, you know, where that comes in, Let's say we do the retirement income analysis for you and say, hey, Toby, you've got more than enough in your 401k to generate the income level and the growth you need to achieve all your goals. So now more doesn't necessarily mean anything to you. So in that case, we might want to redirect some of those 401k savings out if we maybe don't have a pretty substantial you know, emergency fund. Because I've seen a lot of times people are really good diligent savers in their 401ks, but they've got $2,000 in the bank. You know, So it really wouldn't cover an emergency or something if they needed it. Another thing is we're huge believers in cash flow. You know, And I'm a book, I call it Eat the Eggs, Not the Chickens, right? Don't touch the principal, just take the interest in dividends. So if that's the case, what other debts and things do you have out there? Do you still have kind of a little bit of a mortgage left? You got some car payments, some credit card debts, some home equity lines, because you might want to pay all that off. So when you arrive at retirement in the next five years, your cash flow need is a lot less. So the strain on your portfolio is going to be a lot less because you don't have all these extra debts going into retirement with you. So Toby, what I would do is just do a full-blown retirement income plan for yourself and say, okay, here's the assets that I have. Here's the benefits that I'm eligible for. Is it going to work the way it's currently structured? And if it is, then you might be able to redirect some cash flow the other way. 
All right. Great question. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us here as we talk about top social security myths. Again, we have 10 of them. We did five this week and on the next session, we'll do the other five. So make sure you tune in to the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart, founder at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. Again, find them online at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. We'll see you next time. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are not associated entities. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial is a franchise of the Retirement Income Store. The Retirement Income Store and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are associated entities.